The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Grove. Happy 2020 New Year. It just feels awesome to say that for some reason. I love the new year every year, um, but for some reason, 2020 just seems that much cooler than normal. I'm sure it's no different than it was you know, a year ago this time, 2018 to 2019, but it just feels cool. Although I will say I'm disappointed. I feel like we should be seeing flying DeLoreans and stuff by now, like flying cars, back to the future. Yeah. All right. Rough crowd this morning. All right. We're going to try to spruce this up a little bit, uh, but I hope you had, you and your family, a great Christmas, great New Year. If I haven't met you before, my name's Ryan, one of the pastors on staff. I do have a bit of a cold, so apologize the kind of nasally voice. I'm going to try not to sniffle and snuffle a lot, um, but I love a new year. There's something that I always do. Um, some of you may do this as well. Kind of wrapping up the year, last few weeks of a year, and the first couple weeks of a new year, I always like to reflect back um, on the previous year. Um, I like to see kind of some of the high points, maybe some goals that I set uh, that uh, I accomplished. There's also usually some glaring goals I set that I didn't accomplish, right? And I'm finding areas uh, that I need to improve upon. Um, also see just some of the, even the low moments of walking through. Many of you guys know this, but uh, last year was a tough one uh, for me, specifically first time I've ever had a family member uh, really close to me pass away. That was my dad back in March um, to cancer. Um, but I just like to kind of look back, reflect, see what God has done, certainly personally for my family, um, but also for the church. Obviously, a huge passion of mine um, is being here. It's you guys. It's, it's the movement that we have and, and what's going on. And, and then also turn that and then kind of look to the year coming up. And of course, this time of year is riddled with a fad, a fad, uh, something that a lot of people jump onto, uh, which is the NYRs, the New Year's resolutions, right? This is the time of year, hey man, we're gonna, I'm gonna start doing this, I need to get healthier, I need to eat better, I need to stop doing this. And that's kind of what New Year's resolutions are. It's where you and I identify you know, certain things that either we're not doing and we know we need to start doing, right? Or things that we're, we are doing that we need to stop doing if they're not healthy, right? A couple examples, again, I just gave of getting healthy Year. A lot of times, this time of year, people, man, I'm going to stop smoking. This is the year I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm going to stop you know, drinking. Whatever it is, right? we've got the starts and the stops. Um, I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, and I want to qualify what I mean by that. Right? You know, for me, when we think about the starts and the stops, if we identify things in our lives that we should stop doing or things in our lives that we should be doing and we're not, we need to start them. If it's March, April, May, June, July, August, September, it's kind of like, why wait you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months for the next New Year's resolution to make that happen? Right? There's no time like the present. That's kind of my philosophy, um, which given that it is the beginning of the new year, doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it now, that we shouldn't make those decisions now if we realize some of those things. Um, one of the things that we do, I love looking back. Um, certainly there's personal ones. There's also spiritual items that we need to start and stop doing as well. I, this last week, I've noticed on social media and with conversations with a few individuals, um, them reaping the benefits of something this Sunday a year ago, last year in 2019, decided to take a step spiritual and something they felt like, I really need to start doing this. And it's something, if you're new to the Grove, that we do together, encourage us to do together every single year, which is the yearly Bible reading plan. Um, and if you love to open up the physical Bible and underline things and highlight things, which I always recommend, uh, you can grab one of these. They're at the hub on your way out. It's a little information center on the right-hand side, and it'll take you through the daily passages. Um, and if you do that all year long, within a year, you'll read 
the entirety of the Bible. Also, you can find that same, uh, uh, the plan is actually a version Bible app plan. So for those that are technologically savvy, um, we talked about this last year, is um, a lot of, I think I actually spoke this Sunday last year, talked about the Bible reading plan, and I encouraged, I said, hey, I know that a lot of us are busy. Uh, life seems to be like, when can I find the time to you know, pick up the Bible, and, and maybe I read it once a month, or once every couple months, or maybe if I'm really honest, it's only on Sundays, and it's really on the screen, it's not in my Bible, right? But I want to do this is like, hey, there are some of us, one example was a lot of us commute to work. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes each way, sometimes more than that, that if you just lit, the cool part about the Bible app on your phone is that not only can you read it, find different translations and all that stuff, it'll actually read to you, which is a game changer, right, for a lot of us. And I saw individuals on Facebook and stuff just saying, man, I, made, I didn't think I could make it through a year, but I took that advice a year ago, something I realized I needed to start doing, right, get the Bible in me, get the Word of God in me. And so I started doing that to and from work, and they were kind of celebrating that they had accomplished that. In that same, I don't know if you were here a year ago in that message, but I also talked about what I do, kind of encourage people. I said, man, I, when I'm getting ready in the morning, you know, from the time I, I get up and take a shower and shave and do all that stuff, you know, it's a decent amount of time. So I actually set my phone on my shower, um, top thing, and, I, and while I'm taking a shower, it just, it just plays, right? And um, I should have given a, that's a really dangerous recommendation to give. And I, I, in retrospect, I should have given a, a disclaimer. I actually had somebody come to me and say, hey, I, I, the start of the conversation, like, I just love that message and I've always wanted to like, stay committed and this is, man, I've been doing this thing that you recommended and everything. I thought, man, this is gonna be a cool story. Is somebody doing this? And this person was like, yeah, and then my phone fell in my shower and I had to buy a new phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. And I, I thought to myself, should I buy this person a new phone? Like I felt that bad, but phones now, you have to take out a mortgage to get a phone. So I don't have that kind of money. Um, but I did, like, so if that's you and you want to pick up that, that, that Bible app and you want to start reading that and, and if the shower and the times to do that, they actually make this really cool device um, that you can buy for like 10 bucks on Amazon. And it's like a Bluetooth speaker that goes waterproof inside your shower so your phone can sit safe on the counter somewhere. Okay, so just throwing that out there. Okay, that's my disclaimer. But I just love, just an example of somebody saying, man, here's a spiritual thing I need to start doing in my life. And it's going to be tough. I want to finish the Bible in a year. Never been able to do it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Just, a, uh, just one example. As I was prepping for the message today, um, Pastor Nick is not here. He's actually uh, on his way to the airport. Um, he is heading with a team from our network. I don't know if you know this, uh, but we're an Assemblies of God church, so we're part of a network uh, of Washington and Northern Idaho, and of course, nation and the whole world. But they take a team. It's called a Paradigm Trip. It's actually my in-laws uh, run that, and um, they're going to be heading to Germany and London. They're going to be visiting with church planners, multi-church, multi-site um, type churches and how they're doing things over there, and also visiting AG uh, world missionaries. Um, so he's gone today. Um, and so basically what we did is normally we have a sermon series. You know, notice the banner out there, um, like home for Christmas example was the Christmas message series. This is what we like to call a standalone message. So both Andrew at Snohomish and, and me here, it's really where Nick just says, hey, just do whatever you want. So I have no idea how this is going to go today. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? Um, no, I, I feel like this is going to be really good. But in prayer, for today, I mean, how do we start a year like this? Uh, what's the best way? And I'm praying, God, like, what, what, how do we set it off on the right tone? How do we set a foundation for us as a church this year in 2020? And over and over, I begin to just completely be filled with anticipation for what God wants to do in and through the Grove in 2020. And as you and I consider what things in our lives maybe we need to start doing that we're not, or we need to stop doing that we are, 
because there's both practical ones and spiritual ones, there's this overwhelming sense that I wanted to be really clear for all of us because I don't want us to get down the road a day from now, a week from now, a month from now, years from now, and go, man, I just didn't really know. Nobody ever told me. Is that all of those plans, hey, to get healthier and to start working out, that's a good thing, right? right? Maybe to stop doing something that, that costs you a lot of money or it's an addiction or it's a problem, something that's holding you back, that's a very good thing to work on your marriage or extend your education or take that risk in a business. Those are all good things. But can I tell you that the most important goals that you can set, things that you can start doing and things that you can stop doing are the spiritual ones. And so often we focus on those other ones because of the instant results. And I'm going to look thinner and healthier and build muscles. That's my dream is I want to be like stacked, but I've never been able to quite get there if I'm going to work out, right? But, but the spiritual ones are so much more important. I want to tell you that the most important thing in your life should be your relationship with Jesus, and the impact that you can make towards accomplishing his mission. So as I was praying for today, I had this overwhelming sense, and this phrase kept coming into my spirit, into my heart. And the phrase was this, the purpose and the potential of the church. The purpose and the potential of the church. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to take those out. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Of course, you can open up uh, your app on your phone if you have a Bible app, and you can turn there as well. But if we're going to discover the purpose of the church and then talk about reaching the potential that the church has to accomplish that mission, it's pretty clear that we would turn to Matthew chapter 28 to find the church's mission and what its purpose is. Where we jump in here in just a few moments, um, Jesus has been crucified. Um, He's risen again. Some of his disciples have seen him. Some of them have not, right? They all had scattered when he was arrested. Um, And and they're in a group, and and Jesus shows up and starts talking to them, and some are in disbelief with what's happening. Is he real, and how can this be? Because I know people said that he had been killed in this gruesome, gruesome way, and and is this happening? And it goes into this in chapter uh, 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And if you have a physical Bible and you're looking at that, that that passage of Scripture might actually come under a header that says the Great Commission. Right? This was the moment that Jesus gave the Great Commission to the disciples, the apostles, and what spurred the first century church. And it's the same mission, the same purpose that we have today, to go wherever we're at. For them, it meant going to all the world, geographically speaking, right? It was all in Jerusalem. It was all in this place, but we want you to go out. Jesus, this needs to go. This is not just for Israelites. It's not just for the Jewish culture. This is for every single person. So they geographically needed to go out and spread that. But what does that mean for us in the 21st century? What does it mean in 2020? For some of you, and we have them, are missionaries. Same way, going to different countries to spread that good news. I met a missionary uh, here this morning, somebody that I knew from the previous church uh, that I was at and and, and just connecting, and he's serving and has been for almost six years in Indonesia. Some of us, maybe even in this room, would be called like they were, that Macedonian call, the call to go out into other countries. But that doesn't mean that all of us are called to do that. And yet all of us are still called to go out into your workplace, into your neighborhood, in your schools, the PTA that you're a part of, the sport, all of those things. And we're supposed to be a light. That's the mission of the church. 
to show people that there's hope in this world. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter how low you feel about yourself. There is hope through Jesus and a grace that's available. That's our mission and purpose as a church, to, to teach them what Jesus taught the disciples and what he's taught us. Hey, here's the things you should do. Not because I'm trying to tell you what to do or dictate your life, but, but if we do these things, it, bad things are gonna happen. If we do these kind of things, better things are, are gonna happen. I mean, I'm here to kind of teach you. That's the mission and the purpose of the church. And now that we know the purpose, the real question is, well, how do we reach the potential? What, what's the potential that resides within a church? And if you've been here for any amount of time, uh, our mantra, our anthem, right, our culture is that we have an understanding that the church is not a building. It's not an organization. The church is you and me. It's all of us. It's our mission to move forward. The church is not all that much unlike a seed. Now you can look at a seed and it looks pretty small, right? But there's a lot of potential that lies within a seed, isn't there? Right? We see it all the time because we know the definition. We know what happens when we plant seeds and what happens with them. But if, you, if somebody were to not understand that concept and look at a seed and say, what's the potential of the seed? They might say, well, it's pretty small, seems pretty insignificant, I mean, maybe I could eat it, but I doubt it would do much to quench my hunger. But, but you and I understanding the principle behind this is there's a lot of potential that resides within this seed, isn't there? But there's three basic requirements or conditions that this seed needs to accomplish or reach its potential, doesn't it? I mean, if I just set this seed on the stage and I just kind of stood here and clapped, I mean, that seed's not going to reach its potential, right? right? I mean, I could even protect that seed from, you know, not allowing birds to get in here and eat it. I could even protect that seed that's sitting right here on the platform from the janitor so they don't vacuum it up. I, I could wish and hope and, and even know that there's potential in it, but it's not going to grow, right? It requires specific conditions. Now, I'm an interact interactive speaker, so I'm asking you to kind of throw out some ideas here. What, what is one of the requirements? What's something that this seed requires for it to reach its potential? I heard somebody say soil. We're going to start there. Heard some other answers that were right as well. Soil, right? If I just set this seed here, it's never going to reach its potential. But if I put it in soil, hey, we're, we're getting closer. We're starting to move in the right direction to see this seed reach its potential. What's another one? I heard somebody else said water, right? Yeah, if I just put this in really dry, arid sand, right, without any water to it, it's probably not going to reach its potential. But once it's in soil and I start to add water, man, now we're really cooking, right? We're starting to get to a place where this is, has some real opportunity to reach its potential. What's the last major thing, requirement that this thing is going to need to be able to reach its potential? Sun, sunlight. It, it could be artificial light, but it needs some form of light, right? Now, certainly, some of you are green thumbs. I know that you've got a killer, you know, little garden at home, right? I know there's things like you got to keep the weeds away from it because it could choke that plant out. Absolutely. Right? I know you got to keep the animals and the, and the bunny rabbits from coming and getting it and birds and all that stuff. But these are the three basic requirements for this seed to be able to reach its potential. And the church is not all that unlike a seed. For the church to reach its potential, to accomplish its purpose, it requires three basic, non-negotiable elements or conditions. Like a seed needs soil, the church needs God. I know you're saying, wow, that's a really easy one, Ryan. We all know that, right? But the reality is, is I can stand up here all day long 
And I could tell you jokes, and you could laugh every Sunday, and I could pander uh, uh, to, to, to make you feel better, and that, man, everything you're doing is right, and there's, there's no ever any challenge there, and you get to leave every single week feeling great, feeling like you're the top of the world, and you've got no issues or problems, right? Jordan can come up here and sing some really beautiful songs, right? We could even probably bring in our, our favorite, you know, your favorite music artist. I could bring in Bono from U2, right? Or maybe for Pastor Jordan, I can bring in Taylor Swift, his favorite, right? So... <laughs> Right, but, but, but if we do those things and it doesn't have God, it's just empty, we're just a club, we're just kind of playing a game and, and, and we're just kind of here, right? We need God, the Father, we need God, the Son, we need God, the Holy Spirit, right? We need that empowerment, we need that vision, yeah, we need that discernment that, that makes the impossible possible where people can come and actually find hope beyond themselves and their circumstances to know that it's okay that you've messed up, there's a loving Father who forgives you and to challenge and to move forward. We need all of those things. In fact, in John 15, 5, if you're taking notes, scripturally, it's a beautiful passage of scripture. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's this beautiful picture that with him, if he's the vine and we are the branches that come out of it, he's the life source, right? We abide in him and him and us will produce fruit. But if that branch was cut off from the vine, it's no longer attached to the life source. We can do nothing without him. But with him, all things are possible. So like a seed needs soil, certainly the church needs God. And like a seed needs water, number two, the church needs leadership. In fact, this is established. In fact, Jesus is the one who established the leadership positions within the church so that it could succeed, reach its potential, and accomplish its mission. The Apostle Paul identifies this in a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The church requires good leadership. The church requires great leadership. In fact, like any organization, in fact, it's, it's a very startling statistic that I won't give you, but you can go out and Google this and look it up, but the decline of the impact of the church and culture is starkly going down because churches are closing all the time. There's lots of other reasons as well. That's a deep conversation we could probably talk about for weeks, but, but one of the main reasons is, is leadership. Right? There could be great individuals who have a great heart to want to reach people and even be able to read scripture and pull things out. But if they can't run an organization, churches close all the time for very practical things as well. The finances to stay open, the vision and leadership to communicate vision and where we're going and all of those things. And there's three to four basic levels of leadership within the church. Certainly, you have the list that we just read there from the Apostle Paul. But when it talks about pastors for our church, it starts with Nick and Heather. And it's easier for me to say this because they're gone, so it doesn't sound like I'm brown-nosing, but you and I have really, really good lead pastors of our church, and not every church has that. They love you. They give their lives for you. They pray for you. It's, this isn't some, hey, let's build this kingdom so that Nick can be the king of his little castle and do that stuff. Man, he, he, they love you guys. They're called to be here. No, and notice I said that a, a church needs good or great leaders, not perfect leaders. Notice I didn't say perfect. Why? Because last time I checked, there's only one person who was ever perfect on the face of this earth, and that was Jesus, right? They're not perfect. In fact, part of our code is, hey, we don't know everything. We're going to try new things. We're going to pray hard, learn as we go, right? We're not going to make, but, but that's what I love about Nick and Heather. We have really good lead pastors. 
In fact, if I pause for a moment, I might implore you that one of the things that you could put on your list that would make one of the greatest impacts in our church's day-to-day life and in the history of where we're going is if you prayed for your lead pastors every day and their family. There is a, a, a level of leadership and burden that they carry as the leaders, and they need our support. There's other levels of leadership as well. You may not know this, but, but we have a board, uh, uh, specifically a board of deacons. Some churches call it a board of elders. Um, we don't necessarily have them up front a lot. Um, and you might say, well, yeah, there's lots of organizations and corporations that have boards. So yeah, I guess it makes sense. It, a board, specifically of deacons or elders, is very spiritual and scriptural. In fact, I'll give you a couple references that kind of give the outline for requirements and the job description of what those individuals are meant for in the leadership that Jesus established. You can find it in 1 Timothy. You can find some of those in 1 Peter. And specifically, you can look at Titus one seven. if you're taking notes. And we have board members at our church. In fact, they're probably going to hate me for doing this. I've done it the last few services, but um, it, I'm going to call out their names because you might not even know who they are. Um, is Jan Snyder here today? Is she in the service? Is Jan here? I know I see Bonnie back there. Bonnie, why don't you wave real fast? Bonnie Herzog is one of our board members. Chris Cook, is Chris here? Gary was in the last service. Todd Andrews, I think, was in one of our other services. Um, Gary, Jan, Chris... I want to let you know what board members do. They serve like crazy. They show up and they, and, and they apply themselves in prayer that as we come together as a leadership of the church, trying to make the best decisions that we can make as we move forward. Some of those are very spiritual decisions. There's a lot of spiritual decisions to make as a church. There's also very practical decisions, right? There's finances, there's budgets, there's the property that we just had to work through that I've personally worked on for the last six years and was a huge weight off to know that we finally sold that and we're able to move forward because we're kind of stuck here with a sanctuary that holds about 400 people and we have to have four services a day and it's tight and we can't grow a lot. But this is what your board members are a part of. Another layer to that leadership are pastors and staff. Individuals like Pastor Aaron, myself, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Jordan, staff members are a level of leadership with giftings to help move the organization forward towards our potential. And there's also lay leadership. Do you know what lay leadership is? Lay leadership are individuals who have a calling to step up in leadership that may not be on staff or paid by a church, but lead areas and organizations within the church. I've listed a few of them for the last few services. Tim and Tammy Emineth are a great example of individuals in our church that walk and have walked in lay leadership. Not only did they run our cafe um, for so many years, uh, raising money for missions and to support missionaries, but they're part of marriage counseling and and, and a marriage group um, just to help couples. Uh, Rich Smith is another example of somebody who teaches that new believer class. Um, that we have as we come out of baptism, somebody who's gifted, who was a pastor in the past and steps out. I could go on and on with individuals in this room. There's the lead pastors, there's the board, there's the pastor and the staff, and then there's lay leaders, leaders within the body, which leads us so eloquently, segues into the third requirement or condition necessary for the church to reach its potential and fulfill the mission. Like a seed needs to have soil The church needs to have God. Like a seed needs to have water, the church must have leadership. And like a seed needs to have sunlight for the church to reach its potential, it needs the body. Did you notice at the end of what Paul wrote in Ephesians that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their job is to equip the people for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. I'm going to start to land this plane this morning, and I love this passage of Scripture I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12. Again, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a different church this time, a church in Corinth. I want to talk specifically about this idea of the body, and I'm using the message translation because I think it paints a pretty cool picture. Paul says this, as you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works in reference to how the church is supposed to work by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, something more comprehensive. I love this. I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. The church cannot reach its potential nor accomplish its mission without all three of these conditions, just like a seed cannot grow with all three of the conditions that it requires. We must have God. We must have good and great leadership. And we must have you, the body, This is why I was so proud of hundreds of you who this last fall, as we kind of laid this same foundation of how we as a church should operate and the part that you and I play in it, is we handed out those next step cards. They were little green cards about this big and on the front, contact information. And on the back were all the different areas that you could either connect, right? I'm going to join a life group. I'm going to start coming to the women's ministry. I'm going to start coming and joining the men's nights that we have, Grove Men. I'm going to come and be a part of, uh, of MOPs, Mothers with Preschoolers. I'm going to find ways to get connected. There are others that said, man, there's ways that I want to serve. I'm called to be a part of this. Man, man I can help out. I'm, it grows my home. I can come and help greet. Right? It takes hundreds and hundreds of volunteers every Sunday just to make a Sunday work. We've got volunteers in kids ministry, in youth ministry, greeters, ushers, sound, media, worship, security, parking, and the list goes on and on. And people, I love it. I'm so proud that we took these next steps to say, man, I recognize the call and I want to get in the game. So why this message for the first Sunday of a new year? What does this mean for you and I in 2020? One of the greatest encouragements and challenges that I can present to you is to represent what I said earlier, is that the most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus. How strong it is. How real it is. And then flowing out of that relationship is the part that you play as a part of the body for us to reach our potential, to see people come and find Jesus for the first time for those to come bound and addicted to things to find freedom and be broken off, people who just want to connect because they don't know anybody and they need help and they need support. All of these things are possible and are the outflow of the mission and the purpose of the church. Let me be real clear. The most important thing is you engage 2020. Maybe there's things you're like, man, I need to start some of these things. 
And maybe there's this category, and here's some things I need to stop doing. I want to encourage you that the most important thing is your relationship with Jesus. It's more important than what you're doing later today. It's more important than the Seahawks playoff game. Oh my gosh, did he actually say that? Please don't stone me, okay? It's more important than how much stuff you own. It's more important than how much money is in your bank account. It's more important than your job. Your relationship with Jesus is more important than your kids. And it's more important than your spouse. And I know that as I say that, there's a lot of us having a really hard time digesting those last two. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. You mean my relationship with Jesus is more important than my wife, than my spouse, than my kids? I thought that was my responsibility. That doesn't feel right. Something's not right with that. Somehow it just seems wrong from the outset. And the reason that it does is because of the conditioning that we receive from media and culture and society all the time. The movies that we watch with the heroic dad that saves the family, we love the movies where a parent, a single mom self-sacrifices and works through. We love those stories. We're conditioned to think that those are the priorities, and they are priorities underneath Jesus and your relationship with him. I know it doesn't feel right. I know some of you are still really struggling to understand because it doesn't feel in your heart right. I'm here to tell you the truth because I want you to know the most important thing, decision, thing you can start, thing you can stop are the spiritual parts of your life and and figuring out where is my relationship with him real and having those conversations between you and God. As you embark upon 2020, I want to leave you with this final thought and I'm done. As you look to set those goals, those starts and those stops, those personal goals, those health goals, those career goals, education goals, finance goals, which to be honest with you are all good, make sure to take time to assess your spiritual needs, your relationship with Jesus, and then flowing out of that what part you play in accomplishing the purpose that Jesus laid out for all of us. Because remember, The mission of the church isn't the mission of an organization. It's not the mission of this building. It's the mission of us. We are the church. And the truth is this. When we get those priorities correct, our relationship with God first, then our spouse, then our family, and then those other things. Because you might look and say, really, more than my spouse? Can I just paint one picture for you? Over the 15, 20 years I've done ministry, I've just had the privilege to walk along people, individuals who have struggled in their relationships, struggled in their marriage. And there's probably lots of scenarios I could paint, but here's one as an example, is that if our spouse comes before God, because that seems what society, that just seems like the right thing, our kids should be before God, is that you take a couple who maybe one is saved and the other is not, and all of a sudden the influence of the one to why are you going there? Why are you spending time there? Why are you giving money there? Why are you involved in serving there? And it's a rub on the relationship. And I've watched individuals on both sides of that marriage relationship give in to the other and and kind of walk away from their faith in God. If we get it out of order, it starts to kind of mess with everything. But if you keep Jesus in that top spot and then your spouse and then your kids and then extended family and then the other things that come underneath it, everything seems to kind of fall into place after that. Last thing and I'm done. 
I said this in the last service. I said, man, we never read out of Revelation. And then Aaron, before I got up here, said, I actually spoke out of Revelation last week. So hey, it's the second two weeks in a row, you're getting the book of Revelation. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. I think sometimes if you're like me, we're always trying to just kind of figure out where we fit within the kind of paradigm of society, spiritually speaking. Like maybe on one hand, the extreme is an atheist, right? Don't believe in any form of deity. You know, maybe you come this way. This is not an exhaustive, all-inclusive list, but maybe a step closer this way is an agnostic. Yeah, there probably is, but we can't prove it one way or the other, right? Somebody who's neutral, you keep moving your way this way. Right? Somebody who says, well, I believe in God, but that's because my, you know, Kanye says he believes in God, and so my, my favorite sports person, and, and nothing against that, but, but there's some people that say, I believe in God, but the lifestyle's not there. It's, it's here, it's, it's wanting it, but it's, it's not quite real yet. Or you keep taking steps and somebody says, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I went to a camp once and gave my life to him, gave my heart to him. And I really honestly was kind of scared. I didn't want to go to hell. And so it sounded like a good thing, kind of like a get out of you know, hell free card. And so I just kind of did it, but not really living it. Or you keep making your way down this, uh, this chart and, and maybe the next step is a committed follower of Jesus. Somebody who comes to church, who's serving, who's giving, who's finding ways in community to help people that are in need, giving to orphans and widows in their need, which James, by the way, says is true un- unadulterated religion in the book of James, it's pretty incredible, right? And, and, then, and, then, and then we also know in society, there's this viewpoint of like, well, then there's like radical Bible thumper Christian. And so well, we, it's always like, ever, I don't know, do you find, like, where's the sweet spot? Where, where, where am I, where is right and where is too much and, and, and where is not enough? And I love this passage of scripture. It says this in Revelations 3, 1, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. As we're trying to assess where am I here, am I radical, do I talk about it too much, do people at work think I'm over here, and so we kind of, right, I mean, this is an extreme and this is an extreme, it's got to be in the middle somewhere. There's a pretty stark warning here that Jesus says, be hot or be cold, God says, be hot or be cold. Be one or the other. Don't be lukewarm. The most dangerous spot, the danger zone is in the place where you think you're saved and you think everything's good because a lot of people around you, you're saying what they're saying. You say, I believe in God. You say those kind of things, but the life doesn't show it. And you think you're safe, but you're really not. If there's one thing I could encourage you with is to remind you that the most important thing in your life, in your family's life, is your relationship with Jesus. Make that a priority, and when you get that thing in place, and when that starts to happen, and when you start taking steps there, everything else starts to fall into place. Doesn't mean it'll be perfect. Doesn't mean you won't ever have problems. Doesn't mean that you won't ever have struggles or issues. But I tell you, it'll be a lot less than the ones if you don't. And when you walk through them, he'll be with you in the midst of it, right alongside you as you walk through those moments. Don't miss the opportunity of a Sunday like this the beginning of a new year. I don't know what 2019 looked like for you. I don't know what disappointments there were. I don't know what what ifs and could haves, should haves and would haves there are, but today is a new day. You cannot change your past, but here's the beauty. Your future, 2020, is unwritten. It takes a moment right now to say, God, like David cried out in Psalms, search my heart, oh God, find anything in me that's unclean, anything that is not of you. Have that real conversation in your prayer time. God, am am I in the danger zone? I feel like I'm doing the right thing. I mean, in church, isn't that enough? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? Or is there something more? And as you're real with him, because it doesn't matter what I say, I'm just a preacher. 
When he speaks to you, it will change you forever. And when you press in, there is a promise, again, in the book of James, that as you press into him, he will draw near to you. When you draw near to him and you ask and you knock on that door and saying, God, would you show me? It might not be immediately, might not be tonight, might not be tomorrow. Here's a promise. Take it to the bank. He will answer you if you continue to pursue him. Somebody in here needs to hear that today. There is hope for you. There is purpose for you. There's a place for you. There is greatness in you. There is potential with inside of you that you may look at my potential like a seed. That's nothing. There's people around me that are way better than I am, way more gifted than I am, way stronger, way smarter, way better looking, have way more money, have way more influence. But there is potential inside of you when you invest in God and he draws near to you to have exponential impact in your world and in your family. And that's how the church reaches its potential and accomplishes its mission. I believe in you. You might not believe in yourself this morning, but I believe in you. And God believes in you. It's real. If you press into him, he will press into you. Amen? Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for a new beginning. God, we thank you for every day being a new opportunity as we're just trying to figure out our way through all of this, trying to discover who you are, trying to figure out who we are in you, what does all of this mean? And then there's all the millions of little details of our lives that just keep us spinning our wheels. But God, we're gonna start at the beginning, the basics. Like David said, search my heart, oh God, and create a right spirit within me. Search my heart. Is there anything where I'm astray and off? Because I want to know it. Because all I want is you. You are our focus this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.